Good morning, Hope in Christ. We're glad you're here. Are you enjoying your time in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. God's presence is absolutely here. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, we want to welcome those in the room. We also want to take just a moment and welcome everybody watching by Facebook and by YouTube and the various media outlets. They're as much as our faith family as anyone. A lot of folks aren't feeling safe to be out just yet, so they're still watching from home, and we love them just like we love you. And uh, we're just glad that God is on the throne. If you believe God's on the throne this morning, shout amen. 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 God is on the throne. We're in a series entitled 2020 Vision. 2020 Vision. uh, Refocusing our lives. Refocusing our lives. This morning... Uh, we'll share with you message number three from this series. It's entitled, Refocusing Your View of Yourself. As we just saw in the short video, it really matters how we see ourself. And uh, we are in the driver's seat when it comes to seeing us for who we truly are. We can decide for ourselves that we are who we think we are, uh, we can listen to those around us, and we can, we can give them the ability to define who we are. We can allow the world to define who we are. But the best advice I have for you this morning is read the book, see what God has to say about who you are, and go with that. We are who God says we are. And I'm afraid... Uh, I'm afraid that a lot of Christians, I'm not going to say a few, I'm not going to say most, I'm going to say I'm afraid a lot of Christians are allowing themselves, others, maybe even this world, to define who they are. And if you're allowing someone other than God to define who you are, I promise you, you're miserable. You're miserable. You're getting nowhere in life. You are who God says you are. If you will, this morning, take out your listening guides. Uh, We've provided you a listening guide this morning, and we want you to follow along and take notes, if you will, and and take these home with you. Continue to read over them through the week and allow God just to continue to speak to you week after week after week. For those that are watching, um, If you'd like to have a listening guide, I have a lady that uh, I send one to each week, and she prints it off at home and follows along. So uh, if you're listening on the Internet today, if you'd like to have a listening guide, if you'll email me at pastorsteve at hopeinchristfellowship.com, I'll email you a listening guide before each Sunday, and that way you can follow along at home. But the rest of you, I'll take those out if you will. We're going to be talking this morning about refocusing our view of ourself, refocusing a view, our view of ourselves. Again, the goal of this entire series is to change the way we think, change the way we think. We need to learn how to think in a whole new way. We need to think in a biblical way. We need to think the way the Lord Jesus Christ thinks. As I mentioned last week, when you learn who you are by thinking like Jesus Christ, you'll make a revolutionary breakthrough in your life. 
when you have the mind of Christ, when you think like Christ, you're going to know exactly who you are. And if you're a born-again believer, more important than who you are is the fact of whose you are. Because if you're a child of God, then begin living like a child of God. I'm not talking about being pompous. I'm not talking about being arrogant. I mean, you, you just think about this. We have as our Father, our Heavenly Father, our Eternal Father, the Creator of all things. Jesus Christ is King of kings. Can I get an amen right there? He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is our brother. Jesus Christ is our brother for all of eternity. God is our Father for all eternity. Why are we walking around sad and pitiful? Why are we walking around defeated? Why are we walking around depressed? Why are we walking around hopeless? We have the promises of God to live every moment of every day by. When we have the mind of Christ, we know who we are and we live like we know who we are. Here's the problem. It's a big problem. Our brain functions like a computer, or, or better yet, computers function like our brains function. You get a brand new computer with a brand new hard drive, and until you put information on that hard drive, that hard drive has nothing to do, no way of functioning, because it's empty. But as you begin to put information on that hard drive, then it begins to function. The same thing with our brain. Whatever we're putting into our brains day by day by day determines how we think and how we function. So just think back. The last week since we left this building last Sunday morning, what have you spent the vast majority of your time listening to? Watching. Putting into your mind. What you're doing what you're doing by seeing things and hearing things and reading things and, and absorbing and taking in information, you're programming your brain. And as we learn in the first series, in the first sermon of this series, the Bible says this as a man thinks, so is he. So if you want your life to be different, then start reprogramming your brain. Start refocusing your thinking and take in the mind of Christ. How, how do I take in the mind of Christ? I'm so busy watching this. I'm so busy reading that. I'm so busy listening to them and them and them. That's what I think about 24 hours a day. Of course you do. But when we start taking the Word of God in, we start studying the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We began reading the life of Jesus Christ. The more of Jesus we take in, the more like Jesus we think, and the more like Jesus we think, the more like Jesus we act and live and do. But we all have these old ways of thinking, don't we? We all have these old ways of thinking. We have these old, empty Values. We have these old lies that we just keep telling ourselves over and over and over again. So the question is, how do I get all that junk out of my head? How do I get all that old junk out of my head? 
things like, you know what? I'm never going to be able to control my anger. I'm just not going to be able to control my anger. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but I'm never going to be able to control my anger. Others here this morning would say, you know, I just can't control my tongue. The fact of the matter is you're not going to. The Bible says that it takes a perfect man to tame the tongue. The Bible says who can control the tongue? Well, we can't fully contain it. We can't fully uh, control it, but we can tame it, can't we? We can tame it. How do we tame our tongue? By thinking the way Christ thinks. Others say, well, I'm never going to be able to control my lust. I'm never going to be able to be free from the addiction that I'm addicted to. I'm never going to be free to truly love again. I've been hurt, and I've been hurt, and I've been hurt. Or, or maybe you think, my life is meaningless. Brother Steve, you just don't understand. My life is meaningless. Truly, I just don't matter. I don't matter to anyone. I don't, I don't matter. I don't fit in anywhere. It's not going to make any difference. And since my life is not going to make any difference and I'm not important to anybody, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to live the way I want to live. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to sleep around with whoever I want to sleep around. I'm going to take this drug. I'm going to drink that form of alcohol. I'm going to watch these kind of movies and that kind of TV. I'm going to get on the Internet and surf for every ungodly thing I can, and I'm just going to take in everything that I want. And so many people do that. And then their life is a total wreck, a total wreck. And they wonder, where's God? Well, I'll tell you where he's at. He's seated in heaven, and he's a loving heavenly father who has given to this world more than we'll ever need in the form of his son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of the bad things taking place in your life is coming from the way you're living life. Quit pointing the finger at everybody else. Quit pointing the finger at God. Quit blaming the devil. Give that guy a break. It's your choices based on your thinking. And if you want your life to radically change, get in the book. Get a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Read and study the book and see if your life doesn't turn around. It's that simple. It's that simple. There's a higher standard that God demands that his children live by. So it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up in 2020 and be the people of God. It's time we act like the people of God. It's time we think like the people of God. It's time we start loving people the way God wants us to love people. It's time that we begin living the Spirit-filled life. It's time we begin living the Spirit-led lives for the glory of God and for the good of others. If there's ever been a time in every person in here, in, in the entire amount of time that you've been on planet Earth, right now is the time to shine. I said this a few weeks ago. It ain't time to whine. It's time to shine. 
Oh, Brother Steve, but you just don't understand. We've got this pandemic, and we've got these governmental leaders telling us what we can do and can't do, and it's anarchy, and it's this, and it's that. Oh, Brother Steve, life is such a mess. How can you stand up there and tell me to be positive? How can you stand up there and tell me to have the mind of Christ? I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to rebel. I'm going to make some noise. I'm going to tell the world, watch what? That ain't the mind of Christ. That's not the mind of Christ. Here's the mind of Christ. Yeah, there's a pandemic going on. You don't seem excited. I'm not. Why are you not excited? Because my Father is the creator and sustainer of all things. God didn't wake up on January 1, 2020 and go, goodness gracious, I didn't expect this to happen. Wow, what are we going to do? Everything that happens in every minute, every second of every day, good, bad, and otherwise, is in his full, sovereign, providential control. And we rest in that. We rest in that. Brother Steve, you just seem to be a type of fellow that just don't get tore up about many things. I don't. Why? I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. But I read the book, and I listen to the book, and I take in what the book tells me. And that's the way I try to pattern my life with the Spirit of God's help. I've told you all, the worst thing that could possibly happen for me is the greatest thing and the best thing that will ever happen to me. If I were to drop dead right now, you'd go, oh, that's so terrible. Why is it so terrible? Well, our pastor died. Brother Steve died. Well, where did he go? Oh, he just passed from this so sinful, terrible, sin-cursed, sickening, pitiful life of planet earth and he went to be with Jesus in heaven where everything's perfect forever and ever and ever yeah hey when I leave this place don't you weep one tear for me cry for yourself it'll be your loss not mine I'm just saying if you're listening this morning kind of getting quiet out there we need to think like Jesus Christ Jesus Christ, as we talked about last week, Jesus saw the cross in the distance. And because he was human, because he laid off that, that, that royalty when he came to planet Earth and he took upon the form of a man, he had worries, he had concerns. He, he, his flesh did not want to go to that cross and be beaten and scourged and nailed to the cross and beat and whipped and be made fun of. He did not look forward to them plucking his beard out one hair at a time. He did not look forward to them beating him with a reed. He did not look forward to them spitting in his face. He did not look forward to what the flesh was going to have to endure on Calvary. But in the end, what did he pray? Father, not my will, but your will be done. The mind of Christ obeyed the will of the Father and he went to the cross of Calvary, and where's he at now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Seated at the right hand of the Father. 
Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. The Apostle Paul says, and do this. Say that back to me. And do this. Do what? Understanding the present time. To have the mind of Christ, we have to do something. We have to understand some things. Now, let's talk about this present time for just a minute. In, in the Bible, in the Bible, here's what present time talks about. It, it's a Greek word called kairos. That's a moment. That's a moment. He said, and do this understanding the present time. In other words, in this moment, what should we be doing? A kairos moment is a moment in time. It's a, it's a moment in your life that you must seize. It's a moment in your life that must be seized in order to accomplish a purpose. To accomplish a purpose. It's the opposite of just watching days go by. Kairos, it's a moment. It's a moment of decision. It's a decisive moment. Now, now let's look at the, the fullness of this Scripture here. And do this, understanding this kairos moment. He says, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You say, I just became a believer yesterday. Well, you're a day farther into it. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. What day? The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we supposed to do? Let us lay aside, let us put aside the deeds of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently. How do Christians behave decently? By behaving like our Father, by behaving like His Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, by behaving decently as in the daytime. Listen, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension, not in jealousy, but rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. That means just take Jesus and just wrap him all around you. Take him in and let him be on the inside. Just be like Jesus. Listen to this. He said, don't even think. Now, we're talking about refocusing our thinking, aren't we? This morning, we're talking about refocusing the view we have of ourselves. Listen to what he says here. Don't even think about gratifying the desires of flesh. Let's take a poll. You promise to be honest? Huh? Promise to be honest this morning? How many, since we left here last Sunday morning, how many of y'all got in the flesh just a little bit? Rest y'all lying. You just got in the flesh. Bingo. In this moment, in this kairos, in this moment, seize this moment, do away with the works of darkness, put on the armor of light, take on the mind of Christ, know whose you are, know 
who you are. Refocus your view on yourself. Forget about what they said about you. Forget about what the world says about you. Forget about those that don't like you, what they say about you. Be who God says you are. Know who you are. Correct the view of yourself this morning and seize the moment. Seize the moment. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh. If we're going to refocus our minds of ourselves, then we've got to get rid of all the worldly junk that's piled up in our minds. And, and we don't come to church and clean it out on Sunday just to repeat the same old behavior on Monday. Here's what the Bible says about this in Ephesians 4.23. Be made new. Be made new, how? In the attitude of your mind. How do I become the new me? How do you become the new you? By thinking differently. By thinking differently. How do I refocus the view of myself? Be made new in the attitude of your mind. Be made new in the attitude of your minds, in other words, if you want to be new, you can't continue to be old. And I'm not talking about years. You want to be a new person. Listen closely. Contrary to what the world tries to teach you, if you want to be a new person, it doesn't begin by modifying your behavior. It doesn't. Being new is all about changing how you think. And when you get your thinking right, guess what will follow? When you start thinking right, then your attitude will become right, and then your actions will follow. That's how you become a new you. If you want freedom, if you want true freedom, if you want hope, if you want vision, if you want joy in your life, it begins with the way you think. Be made new. How? in the attitude of your mind. It says this, as we covered a week or so ago in Romans 12, chapter 2. Do not, say that back to me. Just so we're clear, do not conform any longer. Seize the moment. Kairos, seize the moment. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now, there's a difference. We're going to talk this morning about the difference between Conform and transform. There's two, two different words, two different actions. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. How many here truly, as a child of God, you want to live out God's will for your life, do you? Keep listening. Keep reading. Keep digging. Keep changing the way you think. If you want to know the will of God, you've got to think the way God thinks. You have to think what God thinks. He's telling us, he's, te he's, he's telling us plainly, he's telling us simply that when you start conforming to the pattern of this world, then God begins to transform you into the pattern of his will. What do you want? Do you want the world or do you want God's will? It's a choice. It's a choice. So I want to give some definition to a couple of these terms today. We're going to talk about conform and transform. It's very, very, very important to know the process of change. We have to know how to change the way we think. We have to know how to refocus 
our thinking and have the mind of Christ. So it's very, very, very important to understand the difference between conforming and transforming. Notice there in your listening guide, you ought to see the word conform. You ought to see the word conform. Conform means this, to fit into a mold. Make or become the same. To behave in a conventional way. How? Behaving in a conventional way by accepting without question the customs, the traditions, and prevailing opinions of others. Hmm. To conform means to fit into a mold or to become the same. And yet, as Christians, how often do we do that? We try so hard to fit into the world. Oh, we don't want to be made fun of. We don't want to be called names. We want to fit into the groups. We want to fit into the cliques. We, we want to fit into the clubs. We want to fit into society. We want to fit into the world. We don't want to make any waves. We don't want to look different. We don't want to act different. We, we, we just want to be like everybody else, and we want to be socially accepted. When Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, it's very simple what he's saying. He's saying, stop trying to fit in to the mold of the world. He's saying, quit trying to fit in. You don't belong here. It'd be like me and Michelle, never going to happen. Be like me and Michelle taking a cruise down to the Bahamas. I could probably fit in. I get out in the sun. They might just keep me down there. But it'd be like me and Michelle getting on a cruise ship and cruising down to the Bahamas and, and, and maybe we live in a little tiki hut for a week or two. Take some time off. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? She ain't getting on a ship. I can't even get her in a fishing boat. You can't even get her in a raft in the middle of the pool. It ain't happening. But anyway, but anyway, it would be like us going on a vacation and it'd be like us settling in down there, knowing that that's not our home, knowing that Monterey, Tennessee is our home. It'd be like us settling in down there and trying to start fit in with everybody else. That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Why? Because that ain't our home. Christian, listen to me. This world, I promise you. How many believes in death? You better. It's coming. You will one day, I promise you. You'll go to take a breath and it won't come and you'll say, ooh, that's what Pastor Steve's talking about. That's death. This world is not our home. The Bible says, what is life? Is it not like a vapor? It appears for a short time and it vanishes away. 53 years, whoosh. I mean, just bam, gone. 
why do we want to settle in here knowing that it's going to last as long as a vapor lasts? Don't. When Paul says don't conform to the pattern of this world, he's saying stop trying to fit in. See, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we belong to a different kingdom, a glorious kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. We pledge our allegiance to a different king, King Jesus. We live under a different set of values. We live under a different economy. We live in a different way relating to the world around us. It's the way, the truth, and the life. It's the way of Jesus Christ. Listen, just because something has become socially acceptable doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's right. I think I'll say that again. Just because something has become socially acceptable doesn't make it right in the kingdom of God. And yet, how often do we think, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. It's it's just normal. Well, I'm striving to be abnormal. Amen? Has anybody in the room bothered to ask God what he thinks about the new normal? I have. I've asked him. And here's what God said. God said, don't conform to the ways of this world. Stop and think about what you're doing and compare what you're doing and see how it lines up with my word. And if it doesn't line up with my word, then it's not okay. I don't care if it's 2020 or 2027 or 2057. Paul said in Galatians 20, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live. Yet I live, but but not I. The, the life that I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Since he was willing to give his life for me, then, then, then it's just, uh, it just be the decent thing to do for me to give my life for him. Can I get an amen? Paul goes on to say, don't be conformed. Don't, don't fit into the mold of the world, but be transform. So what's the difference between conform and transform? You'll see there in your listening guide the word transform. Transform, man, this is a lot better than confirmation. Transform means to change the nature, to change the character, to change the personality. It means we change within in order to get what's coming from within to without. When you're conformed, you're molded from the outside. When you're transformed, you're changed from the inside. To transform means to change the nature, change the character, change the personality of something. Here's the difference. Conforming is about changing external appearances. Being transformed is about changing the internal nature of something, changing its purpose, changing its purpose. Conforming is about behavior, fitting into a mold. Transforming is about character, 
changing from the inside out. Adrian Rogers once gave an illustration of conforming and transforming. And he talked about going out on the farm and picking up a little pig. Taking that pig out of the pig lot, it's all covered in mud and everything else known to man. It's just a, one of the nastiest creatures on planet Earth, but it makes for fine bacon. But anyway, back to the message. Ooh, I got hungry for a minute. He talked about taking that pig on the inside and giving it a haircut and giving it a bath and putting some perfume on it and making it smell better and tying a little ribbon around its neck and looked at little pig and said, little pig, guess what? You have been conformed. You are now a house pig. I got some people who can testify right here, can't I? Now you've got a house pig. So he took that little pig and gave it its talk and said, you have been conformed. You're now a pet pig. And he opened the front door and set it out on the front porch. What do you think that little pig did? He went right back over to the pig lot started wallering in the mud and acting like, a mud, uh, acting like a pig and doing like a pig does. Why? It's a pig. It had not been transformed in the least. That had been conformed, hadn't it? It had been conformed to a domestic animal, but I don't care how much you conform something, conforming it does not transform it. You have to have a new heart to be transformed. You have to have a new way of thinking to be transformed. Well, Brother Steve, just how does transformation actually happen? I'm glad you asked. L let, me, let me talk about a couple of more words here. Now, now again, I'm going to warn you, these, these are words that make us feel real uncomfortable. We don't like to talk about these two words. Some people would say, oh, these, these words are too religious. We ought not to use those words. Uh, some people say, oh, no, no. You can't say those words in 2020. Uh, that, that's hate speech. That's being judgmental. And, and the Bible says don't judge. The Bible says let a tree be known by the fruit it bears. The first word that I want to talk about is the word repent. The word repent on the day of Pentecost in the inaugural message of the New Testament church that Jesus had just established, had just filled it with the Holy Spirit and began, began preaching under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Peter said these words, repent. Repent. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without repentance, there is no transformation that happens on the inside to the outside. Repentance is not a one-time event. The first time you repent is simply that. It's the first time you repent. And then you begin a life of repentance. Let's think about repentance for just a moment. Repent doesn't mean you change your behavior. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Repentance is not changing your behavior. Repentance is changing your thinking. When you was dead in your trespasses and sins, you thought you was okay. You thought everything was all right. 
And then you heard the gospel message preached. And through the gospel, you heard that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you heard that the wages of those sins are death. But you also heard that while we were still sinners, Christ died for those sins. You also heard that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. And you also heard that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. And you also heard that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what happened was you didn't change your behavior, did you? See, if you went into salvation with the goal of changed behavior, you came in wrong. Repent means change your thinking. As a sinner, when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, before I'd been influenced by the Holy Spirit, before I'd been influenced by the Word of God, I thought I was fine. But now that I've heard the Word of God and the Holy Spirit mixed that together and it went into my mind and it went into my heart, I had a mind change. I'm not okay. I'm a sinner. I've sinned against God. I'm going to spend eternity in hell. You have to change how you think. I think I need Jesus. I think I need to believe in my heart. I think I need to confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and see, I was dead in my trespasses and sins on my way to hell. And when I repented, I changed my direction. And I started thinking about, hey, I'm a saved individual on my way to heaven. Repentance is turning around how you think. Now then, not only repentance, but what about the word confess? A lot of people have a misunderstanding of the word confess. A lot of people, for whatever reason, through ignorance, through faulty teaching, through faulty understanding of the Word of God, they believe that to be a child of God, all you got to do is one time repent, one time confess your sins, and everything's hunky-dory and you're on your way to heaven. Well, all that does is get you in the door. That just gets you in the door. The day after you got saved, you sinned. The day after I got saved, I sinned. And when I sin, I am required to confess those sins to the Father and receive forgiveness. But it's more than that. We're we're talking about refocusing our view of ourself. We can't be conformed to the world. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the way we renew our mind is we repent and we confess. In the Bible, the word confess means to say the same thing. Confess means I agree with that. In its biblical sense, confession is simply saying what God says. It's repeating what God has already said. It's agreeing with God about what He says. It's not arguing with Him. It's agreeing with Him. But here's the misunderstanding. Here's where the misunderstanding comes from. We often think that confession is only about confessing our sins. It is about confessing our sins. But there is so much more about confession than just confessing our sins. It is so much bigger than that, folks. Listen, it is so freeing when you understand what it truly means to confess. Now, don't get me wrong. 
Confessing our sins is important because that's part of forgiveness, and we all need constant forgiveness because we all sin from time to time. Can I get an amen? Confessing our sins is very important. But if we stop there, if we stop there, if that's all there is to it, just saying, God, I'm sorry. I promise I'll never do it again. Anybody ever uttered those words? God, I'm sorry. That was terrible. Now, now this next part's what I'm really interested in. How many's ever said, God, I promise, if you'll forgive me this time, I'll never do it again. Anybody in the room? You a big liar like I am, ain't you? I mean, it, it wasn't like I said it empty in vain. I mean, I really in the moment didn't ever, ever want to do that again. But I did. And I bet you did too. Confessing, confession is more than just confessing our sins. If we were real brave, if we were to turn the cameras off, and just be family for a moment. If we went around the room, I guarantee if we started with Stacy and ended up with Ray over here, I guarantee you everybody in the room would could make a list and, and you'd come up with two or three or maybe four or five sins that just plagued your life over and over and over again. Just them same old sins been struggling with them for years, haven't you? Those, those same. Now listen, know this. Sin is not just disobeying God in the sense that you did something wrong. Not, sin is not just doing something you ought not to do. Know this. Sin, as defined by the Bible, is also not doing what you know you should do as a Christian. And I bet plenty of people in here know there's things you ought to be doing for the kingdom, and you're just not doing them, and that's sin. And then others continue to do things you know you ought not to do, and that is sin too. So we need to confess those sins, don't we? We're not very original. We're not very creative when it comes to sinning, do we? Again, confessing our sins brings forgiveness, but it doesn't change anything in you. But there's another kind of confession that I want us to talk about today. Another kind of confession confession that does change how you live. Confession is part of transformation, just like repentance. Repentance means I change my mind. I'm going to begin thinking like God wants me to think by studying His Word, by becoming more like Him. Not only am I repenting, not only am I changing my way of thinking, now that I'm changing the way that I'm thinking, I'm going to start confessing differently. I'm going to start confessing the things I need to confess. If you want to have a renewed and a refocused mind, if you want to begin to think differently, if you want to have 2020 spiritual vision, here's the process. Fill in the blank. When I say, confessing, right, confessing, when I say what God says, 
then I begin to think the way God thinks. Repentance and confession. How does confession work? When I, when I begin saying the things that God says, I start thinking the way God thinks because I'm confessing it. I'm confessing it. Confession is what leads to repentance. Confession is what changes your mind. Saying what God says changes how I think. When I say what God says about my life, then I begin to think like God about my life. When I say what God says about relationships, then I begin to think like God thinks about relationships with other people. When I say what God says about values, about money, then I begin to think about how God thinks about those things. When I say what God says about me, then I begin to think the way God thinks about me. And that's how you receive a changed life. Now, I'm talking about after you're born again and saved. Salvation is an instantaneous thing. You're dead and you're trespassing. I'm just clarifying. You're dead and you're trespasses and sins. The Word of God has been presented in some form or fashion to you. The Holy Spirit visits you and makes that Word alive. And in that moment, you, you, you're faced with a crisis of belief. And you either believe and receive or you reject and you die in your trespasses and sins. I'm talking about in the Christian life. I'm talking about you've been saved, you've been baptized in water, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and you're living life, and you've got your mind full of the world. You want to get all that worldly thinking out. You're trying to refocus your view of yourself. You want to start thinking like God thinks about you through repentance, through continued repentance and continued confession. Now then, you're not just saying what God said about uh, what you did when you talk about behavior again, we're, we're saying what God says about who you are if you're in Jesus Christ. Now, here's why we have to be people of the Word of God. For those that haven't been here very long at all, we have what we call the hope process. It's inside your bulletin. To be a part of this faith family, to plug in and get busy doing what God's called you to do, we have a series of four classes we want you to go through. We call it the HOPE process. The very first one is membership. We invite you to come and, and take a four-hour class or, or a series of four one-hour classes, and we tell you everything we know about ourselves as a congregation. And then at the very, in the very last lesson, before we invite you to be a member here, Man, we grill. Do we not? We grill. Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Have you been born again the way the Bible says that we're biblically born again? Have you been baptized? And if you're born again and saved and baptized, then we welcome you to join us as a faith family. The very next class that we invite you into is about what we're talking about right here. It's all about the Word of God. There are certain habits every believer must have in their life if they're going to grow and mature as a Christian. And if you aren't doing these things, you're not going to grow up. And the worst nightmare on planet Earth is a building, a church building full of a bunch of spiritual babies. 
Exactly. Exactly. Boone, your papa's boy. What do babies do? Wah, wah, wah. He got my toy. He got my parking space. She got my chair. She's doing what I want to do. She's standing where I want to stand. They're doing this and they're whine, 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 whine. You know a whiny Christian? Anybody know a whiny Christian? They're a spiritual baby. Love them. Love them. Take them under your wing and help them grow. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what discipleship is all about. When you have spiritual babies, I mean, take, take, take Boone back there. You know? You're like, well, I carried him nine months to give birth to him. I just set him in his room, give him a pack of diaper and some wipes and formula and said, good luck, boy. That's what so many churches do. Hey, we got you saved, on to the next one. Hey, we got you saved, on to the next one. Hey, we got you saved, on to the next one. And then they have a church full of whiny babies. And you know why they have a church full of whiny babies? Because they refuse to be obedient to the Word of God and help those spiritual babies grow to spiritual maturity. We've got a process for that right here. And the second step in that process is hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, and doing the Word of God. That's how you get a grasp on the Word of God. And that's what it's going to take to change the way you think. You've got to empty your mind out of the worldly way of thinking, and you've got to flood it with the words of God and the ways of God and what God says, and then you will become a godly person. Is that not simple? Here's what God says. God says, my sins are forgiven. Well, I can tell that really excited one of you all that are believers. You know, if your sins aren't forgetting, you're are not forgiven, you're going to spend eternity in hell burning forever and forever and forever. So let me go back to my point. God says, as his child, your sins have been forgiven. I could have been like Oprah. I could have said, hey, we're so thankful you all are here today that we've taped an envelope below your seat today and Everybody in the room is getting $10,000. Y'all would have shouted and run and, and had a spell for the next hour and a half. You'd have talked about it for weeks. But the pastor can come in front of you and say that Jesus died for your sins and snatched you out of hell. And because your sins are forgiven, I get one amen. I think we need to change the way we think. Yeah, preacher, I've heard that before. Da da da, sins forgiven. Hey, you'll be thankful for that one day. You need to be thankful for it today. It needs to be the most exciting news you hear in all of your life. Hey, did you hear what they told me? God said my sins have been forgiven. If you've truly been forgiven, that's the way you think about forgiveness. Hey, guess what? I'm not going to burn forever in hell. I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to spend eternity with God in heaven, and it's going to be perfect, and none of this worldly junk is going to be there. It's just going to be perfection for all of eternity. That's a saved, born-again believer. That's someone whose thinking has been changed, 
and their view of their self is, I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. My sins are forgiven. I have God's word of it. God is not ashamed of me. How many this morning can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, and don't look around and just fit in this morning, be honest. How many of you all struggle? How many of you all struggle with thinking that God is ashamed of you? He's not. You're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You're one of his children. Is he disappointed in us from time to time? Yes, but he's never ashamed of us. We have his word on it. The Son of God has set me free, therefore I am free indeed. I have his word on it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have his word on it. There is a plan and a purpose for my life, and God will never leave me and never forsake me. I have his word on it. Here's what I believe. I believe if we would spend more time confessing what God says about us, we would be able to refocus our view of ourselves and see ourselves as God sees us. And you're talking about a changed life. Our thoughts control our life. Anybody in here, anybody, anybody in here interested in having a better life than you have right now? Now, now we have to define better. For a lot of Christians, to become more Christ-like is more bitter than better. Why? Because they're conformed to the world. And, and the more world they get, the better they feel. And then one day, if they're truly born again, he's going to snatch you out of it. You're going to be saying, wait a minute, Jesus, I forgot this. And he's going to say, you don't need that where you're going, believe me. So when we begin to say what God says, we begin to think like God thinks. And when our thinking changes, as our thinking changes, our actions change. And we now have this new attitude in our minds and this new attitude of thinking and this new attitude of living life. And that's the secret of focusing, refocusing how you think about yourself. You're no longer focusing on what I want to do anymore. You're, you're focusing on what God wants you to do. Now let's go back to the first verse there on your outline. Very, very short verse. We talked about it just a moment ago. Ephesians 4.23. Be made new. Say that again. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Now let me, let me, let me give you just a little context for what's happening here. Right before Paul wrote this sentence of Scripture, he wrote a fairly exhaustive list of things that people in his culture needed to be mindful of. They needed to guard their hearts against things that they just needed to stop doing. He mentioned things like anger, intolerance, Bitterness, slander, lying, stealing, hatred. I mean, nothing like we know in life today. 
Would you circle the first three words of Ephesians 4.23? Circle that, be made new. Circle that right now. To be made new means to renovate. To renovate, to remodel. Paul is saying, if there's going to be any kind of change in your life, if there's going to be any kind of true renewal, there must first be a renovation of your mind. You've got to remodel your mind. You've got to renovate your mind. Now, if you've ever re- renovated anything in your home, you know that renovation is not a one-time instantaneous event, is it? You can't just show up at church and say, wow, boy, Steve, give us the word today, and I'm changed forever. I'm never going to struggle again with the way I think. Wrong People say, why why do you Christians go to church so much? Because we sin so much. Because we think wrong so much. Because we do wrong things so much. We have to come together week after week. We've got an encyclopedia of biblical facts in this room, and you and I still blow it every day. We come together to be reminded and encouraged, right? Reminded and encouraged. Why? We have to be renovated. We have to be renovated. This past winter... My lovely bride, the woman of my heart, the one I love and cherish, decided that she wanted her bathroom renovated. And I thought the smart thing to do would be, I'll renovate that bathroom for her, and I'll be her knight in shining armor. I'll be a hero. She'll kiss me and love me and pat my head and cook me good meals and just keep being a wonderful, wonderful wife like she is. But you know, we tore into it and it was very inconvenient. It was. Had two bathrooms, now we got one bathroom. Had a bathtub in there, now we ain't got a bathtub. We still had a shower. It was a disturbance to our home, to say the least. Can I get an amen? A lot of unexpected things came up. It was costly. It costed money. It costed blood. How many knows that broken tile is sharp? So Curtis comes over, and Curtis is going to help me renovate the bathroom. We're taking the tile up, and, and, and we break some of it to get it out easier. And, and I've, I'm doing something, and, and I rub my finger against tile, and I mean, it just laid it open, and I'm just pouring the blood, and I grab it, and I go to the other bathroom. I rinse it off and put some neosporin on it, some alcohol, and wrap it up in gauze. I go back to the bathroom, and Curtis is walking out of the bathroom holding his finger and blood dripping everywhere. So it's painful renovation as well. I mean, he... Following in his daddy's footsteps, right? Just want to be just like my daddy. He cut his finger off. I'll cut my finger off. But the end result was really good. I'll take some pictures, and we'll put them up here next week. I'm proud of myself. Hey, we put shiplap on the walls, just like Kevin and Joanne Gaines, or what's his name? Who? Chip. Now you made me hungry again. Bacon and chips. <laughs> Chip and Joanne I mean... Got a clawfoot tub. Got one of them high-rise commodes where you don't have to squat down real low to get on it. You know, I mean, uptown renovation now. That one room in our house is the highlight of the house, ain't it, sweetie? We renovated that. We renovated that. Took all winter long. 
took all winter long. Lengthy process. Some of it I could do, some of it I couldn't do. Some of it we had to have hired out, had to buy some stuff, order some stuff, pay for some stuff. Guess what? The renovation of our mind is no different. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to be costly. It's going to cost you some things. It's going to require change. Every once in a while, you're going to cut your finger and bleed a little, cut your heart and bleed a little. But that's what it takes to achieve renovation. Now, there was a part of that renovation that I really enjoyed. Be made new means to renovate. Boy, I like this part. Look here. The first step in renovation, I'm a natural at this. Ask Brenda. When I was dating Michelle, I could tear up anything. I sawed a bus in half with a steel saw. I went into the kitchen one night where I was down there courting this four wheels there. I reached in the cabinet and got the glass out, and the whole cabinet fell off in the floor. It wasn't long after that I'd called her one night talking to her, and a lampshade fell off the lamp. And Johnny said, that boy doesn't even have to be here to tear something up. All he has to do is call down here. But for real, renovation begins with demolition. We are talking about all that junk in our minds a while ago. It, it's not just going to magically disappear. We've got to go in there and demolish that. We've got to go in there and demolish that. Every single day, get this, every single day a typical person processes between 60 and 80,000 thoughts. Men think about 500 thoughts. Women think about 180,000 thoughts. No, for real. The average person think somewhere between sixty to 80,000 thoughts every day. Do the math. That, that's like 3,000 thoughts an hour. No wonder you're tired at night, thinking yourself to death. So what happens is over time, those thoughts, whatever you're thinking, becomes a pattern of thinking, which becomes a pattern of attitude, which becomes the pattern of of your behavior. They become pathways in your mind. Some of those conclusions are agreements, if you will. You're agreeing with what you thought, and those agreements about yourself is how you see yourself and how you see God and how you think God sees you. You see the importance of flooding your mind with the Word of God every day? Paul is saying that before you can experience any real change, any real renewal, any renovation, some of those patterns, some of those pathways have to be broken down. They have to be discarded. They have to be demolished. This week as I studied, I recently watched Dumbo on, on Netflix. They made a new Dumbo movie, not the old cartoon. They made a real live version of Dumbo. You know how they train baby elephants? They take that baby elephant when it's just an infant, and they put a shackle around its ankle, and they take that chain, and they attach that chain to the ground. 
And that baby lives day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, learning, I'm chained. And this, this is where I can go and this is what I can do. And it can't go any further. As it grows a little older, the trainer will slip in and remove the chain from the hook in the ground. And guess how the baby elephant's behavior changes? It doesn't. It still believes it's chained up. Why? Because the pattern has built in its mind, I'm chained up, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything. Does that resonate with anybody in this room this morning? What have you been chained to so long that you don't think there's any way you can demolish those chains? What is it that's got such a hold on you in life this morning that you've been thinking about and thinking about and thinking about and it's made a pathway into your mind. It's a pattern of thinking and living in your life and now you want to be set free from it and you think, I can't be. But I just told you what God said about you if you're a child of God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What are your chains? I don't think I have a purpose. I feel worthless. I don't feel like anybody likes me. I don't think anybody loves me. I don't think anybody wants me. I'm a failure. I'm afraid. You're looking at a man who's had many, many chains in his lifetime. Brother Steve, you just act happy all the time. You just act like you got it all together. A lot of people wear masks, don't they? There's been lots and lots and lots of times in my life that I knew I wasn't smart enough to be a pastor. I wasn't educated enough to be a pastor. I wasn't wise enough to be a pastor. And God keeps reminding me that he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Do you have any of those not enough statements that you say to yourself? I'm not good enough, I'm not perfect enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not fit enough, I'm not cool enough, I'm not successful enough, I'm not good enough mom, I'm not a good enough dad, I'm just not good enough. Psalms 107, verse 10. I'm going to try my best to come to a close, church. Psalm 107, verse 10 through 16. Some sat in darkness in deepest gloom, in prison in iron chains of misery, That describes where some of y'all are at right now, don't it? Seeing in darkness, deepest gloom, in prison in iron chains of misery. But listen, Lord, help. They cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness in deepest gloom. He snapped their chain. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful thing he's done for them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. He snapped their chains. He broke down those gates, and he cut apart the bars of iron. That's the Savior we serve. That's King Jesus. Look up here at me. Did you see there where he said, look at me? 
You see where he said prison bars? Many of you here this morning are living behind prison bars in your own mind. What did Jesus do when Paul and Silas were locked up in the Philippian jail at midnight? What were they doing? Praising God. God sent an earthquake and set them free. What are you doing in the midst of your prison time? Are you praising or are you complaining? What are you thinking about yourself? How are you thinking about yourself? Romans 8.1, Romans 8.1, get this church, get this church. Read this with me, would you out loud on the count of three? One, two, three. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. That's what you need to say to yourself every day. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus this morning, shout amen. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Do you believe that this morning? This truth, this truth is so real. This truth is so significant that Jesus has asked every one of his brothers and sisters, every one of God's children, to do something. He's told us to put this on display to the world. Put this on display to the world. This is why we baptize folks. God tells us to baptize new believers. It's because the old is dead and the new is well well and alive. Amen? If you've never been baptized in water since you believed in Jesus Christ, get a hold of me when service is over or this week, and let's talk about you being baptized. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the Word of God is... Get this, church. I'm trying to wind down. I promise I am. For the Word of God... For the Word of God is living and active. The Word of God, the Scriptures. It's living and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword... It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts. Say thoughts. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It says the Word of God is like a two-edged sword. And that two-edged sword has a deadly edge and it has a life-giving edge. Hello? Hello? Demolition and rebuilding, two edges, sharp as sharp can be. One cuts away the old and the other gives life to the new. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. The deadly edge of the Word of God, of the sword of the Lord, that deadly edge is what puts to death the old way of thinking. It puts to death the old lives that have controlled our lives for years and years and years. The life-giving edge is what performs open-heart surgery on us. It cuts the old heart out, and God puts a new heart in the place of that old heart. It's almost like a scalpel. It cuts out the infection and the residue and the sin. It's the Word of God that smashes the strongholds. It can break any and every chain. It can uncover and expose any lie you let if you'll let it do its work. It's the Word of God. We need to make a new attitude in our minds, and here's how it's done. You confess your faith. We talked about 
Repentance, now we're talking about confessing. On a daily basis, the children of God need to confess our faith. Need to confess our faith. The next point, and then we've we, we got to finish, people. Listen closely. God is not asking me to make a promise that I cannot keep. God doesn't expect you to say, God, I messed up again. I promise I'm not going to do it. That's not what God wants out of you. Here's what God wants out of you. 2020 vision, refocusing your thinking, learning how to think differently about yourself. God is not asking me to make a promise that I cannot keep. He's asking me to receive a promise that only He can keep. That's good news. That's good news. God always keeps His promises. Now, turn in your listening guide, and we're going to go through these 10 confessions. 10 confessions. These are my faith confessions. Say my faith confessions. Your faith confessions. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take these home with you. If you didn't get a listening guide this morning, get one on your way out. Take these 10 confessions. Put them on the refrigerator, put them on the mirror, put them on the dash of your car, or wherever you're at every day so you'll be reminded, here's what I want you to do. Now, church, I'm serious. I'm serious. I want you to read these confessions out loud, out loud to yourself every day beginning today until the day Jesus calls you home. This will revolutionize your life. This will change the way you think about yourself. And when you begin to think about you the way God thinks about you, guess what's going to happen? Your life is going to change for eternity. Now then, here we go. Number one, my life confession. This is Scripture. This is Scripture. Number one, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again from the dead on the third day. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Now, quickly, along with me, as I flip through these, I want you to say this out loud with me, okay? One, two, three. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again from the dead on the third day. Number two, I am a new creation in Christ. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Amen. Number three, the Son has set me free I am free indeed. Number four, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. You're talking about you. You're talking about me. This is us, folks. This is what God says about you. This will refocus how you think about yourself. Number five, God is faithful. Hold time out. We got to say that again. Now, you got to say it like you mean it. Y'all sit back there, beep, 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 beep. I'm talking about saying this like you believe it. You ready? Number five, God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. You see why I want you to read these every day for the rest of your life? Number six, nothing can ever separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He is able to do immeasurably more than I ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within me. Can you not sense a little revival stirring now? Huh? This is just the Word of God. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And get this next one. 
God is for me. Say that again. God is for me. Who can be against me? Give him a hand. Amen. Now, this is what God says about you. Do you believe it? This is what God says about you. That's the word of God. Read these every day. When you're afraid, read them. When you're in doubt, read them. When you're under pressure, read them. When you're being tempted, read them. Let these words renew your mind. Here's what the Word of God will do. The Word of God is like water, and it just washes over you, and it cleanses your mind. And as the water of God is cleansing your mind, you replace those old, filthy, rotten, sinful lies from your mind, and you replace them with the promises of God. This will change your life, church. This will change your life. Amen? Amen. Michelle, y'all come on this morning. Philippians 1.6. I'm with Paul. I'm confessing. I'm agreeing this morning. I am convinced that God, yes, God, I am convinced that God who begun a good work in me, in you, if you're a child of God this morning, he will carry it through to completion question this morning. How are you expecting to get to heaven? Are you expecting to get to heaven by anything you have done or you are doing? Or do you believe that God began a good work in you and God will complete it until the day of completion? I'm depending upon God. Amen. I've broken everything I've ever touched. But there's one thing I can't break. I can't break free from God because God is holding me in the palm of his hand and he's going to hold me for all of eternity. Amen. Now, that's how I think about me, and that's how you need to think about you. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. What chains need to be broken from your life right now today? What do you need freedom from? Is there a plaguing sin in your life that you need to say, Yes, God. Yes, Lord, you're right. I've sinned against you. Sinned against others. And I'm sorry. Go ahead and tell him right now. Go ahead and tell him right now. The Bible promises that when you confess your sins, that God forgives your sins instantly, completely, permanently. Everybody that hears my voice right now, pray in the quietness of your heart. This may be the first time you've ever said words like this, and that's okay. But in your heart and in your mind, I want you to say these words with me this morning. Father, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I receive your gift of forgiveness, and I receive the promise of eternal life. Father, I believe that I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Therefore, I'm a new creation in you. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. 
Jesus, you have set me free. I'm free indeed. Father, I believe you began this good work in me, and Father, I believe you will complete it. Father, I now make this confession in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. We hand out connection cards with our uh, bulletin. If you're present here today and you prayed that prayer today for the first time and you truly meant it, I want you to fill out that connection card today and leave it in the offering bucket when you leave. Or come find me when service is over. Or come forward right now at the end of the service and say, I'm just busting at the seams. i got to tell you all, God saved me today and I'm convinced He saved me. You come share that testimony after we sing this morning. Maybe you're watching by Facebook or YouTube today and God has spoke to your heart and you prayed that prayer for the first time today. Right there in the comments, right now on Facebook, would you just say, I trusted Jesus as my Savior? Would you do that? We'll reach out to you this week and see if we can't help you. Let's all stand this morning. Church, these altars are open. If you need to come pray, please come pray. Come do business with God. It's 2020. It's been a mess. But God takes messes 